Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Monday after uh, a horrible Sunday, in my opinion, but every, a lot of other people will probably disagree with that. Uh, me and Matt are back at it today to give you kind of your Monday morning quarterback stuff. We're going to break down all of the games. We're going to preview Matt's Denver Broncos versus the Tennessee Titans just here in a minute, though. We did not get a chance to preview that game Friday. Matt, how you doing on this uh, beautiful Monday morning? Overreaction Monday. Yeah, doing pretty good. I, I'm uh, thinking Devontae Adams owners are probably the, the people you're talking about that are happy this morning. I personally am just hoping that uh, that Denver tonight doesn't make it four for four for our favorite teams just uh, <sighs> yeah. taking the L. In yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. When I saw um, I was sad that DeAndre Swift dropped that ball because I am a big DeAndre Swift fan. But at the same time, when I saw Detroit lose that, I was like, you know what? At least three of us are going to be pissed off come Monday right now. So I'm happy with that. But yeah, it's a man. It was not a, not a great Monday in my opinion, but before we start breaking down these games, let's talk about the Denver Broncos. Uh, They get Tennessee tonight in the second game. I think they've been the second game the past couple, couple opening Mondays. Haven't they? The Broncos. Yeah, because people just don't believe that I need sleep, apparently. <laughs> oh, well. because, you know, you and you. I are the early risers. The game here does not even start until after 8 o'clock. I was like, yeah. 5 a.m. is going to come so early. And a lot earlier when you lose. And the last, I know for sure last year, I think the last two years, they've lost the late Monday night game. Yeah. Two years ago, they blew it at the end, and I may have woken my wife up with a four-letter utterance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know I know last year, because last year was the heartbreaking one, wasn't it? Where they lost like uh, right toward the end of the end of the game. Was it a, was it it wasn't Chicago? No, Chicago played Green no, Bay. No, we lost we lost to John Gruden and Oakland on opening. Oh, night, that's right. Chicago loss was week two. That's right. Yeah, they had a couple of brew losses last year. All right. So Tennessee is getting 1.5 points in this one. For uh, we'll start on Tennessee's side here. So we all have uh 
Ryan Tannehill ranked as a QB2 tonight. Me and Dennis both have him at 19. You have him at 24. Uh, Low-end QB. You're you're likely starting him tonight if you had him in your lineups anyways. Again, we we meant to get to this Friday, but we kind of ran out of time. Derrick Henry, uh, we all have him right on the tier of of, uh, running back one, which is interesting because he has not done good against the Broncos the past couple times they've played. I have him at 13. So do you. Dennis has him at 12. So, are you expecting him to to take, I guess, a little bit of a step forward today against that Broncos defense? I mean, I think he's going to be okay. Den- it's a big unknown is what is Denver's front going to be like. Chubb coming back from a torn ACL last year, his, uh, all the talk's been he'll be on a snap count. They released Todd Davis, so they're going back to Josie Jewell. Mark Barron is out for this game, so they lose – some of their linebacker depth, they're actually bringing up uh, a linebacker off the practice squad for tonight's game. And, of course, Von Miller tore his, you know, has a, a dislocated tendon and his ankle done for the year. But on the flip side, Jarrell Casey basically got the boot in Tennessee when you trade a veteran pro bowler for a seventh-round pick. That's a kind of, we don't need you anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like their defensive line potentially. Denver's linebackers should still be decent, but that's a little bit of a question. You know, what is that defensive front going to be like? Yeah, I think I can see him having an okay game. I feel like the more I looked at, I probably should have dropped him a little bit lower in my rankings, but I, I do expect they're going to lean heavily on him. I think the better matchup for them is going to be going against that secondary with some of the pieces they lost. So I did like when they brought over uh, AJ Bouye. I, or is it Bouye? Bouye. Bouye. I, I liked it, him a lot, obviously, with Jacksonville. I thought that was a good move by the Denver's secondary is actually the best part of their defense because Bryce Callahan, so? back, back and healthy, he was incredible for Dow, uh, for Chicago two years ago. And that's mm-hmm. why Fangio brought him. Bouye takes over for Harris. And they still have Simmons and Kareem Hunt back there. Uh, and they have a lot of interesting um, depth corners. We had so many corners. We traded one, and there was a guy that got released and put on the practice squad that a lot of fans were kind of shocked about. So secondary, I actually like quite a bit, especially with Tennessee's uh, pass catchers. The question yeah. for me might be Johnny Smith because a big part of what they were doing is uh, they liked Mark Barron, who was a former safety playing linebacker, to be that kind of third down coverage guy, him being out. Josie Jewell, not an incredible coverage linebacker. I think they'll start using more uh, corners or they might use Trey Marshall, one of our reserve safeties. Um, so that's going to be more of a question to me, but you know, Corey Davis is not incredible. Uh, no. I don't think any of us think he's incredible. Humphreys, not uh, incredible. And I think AJ Brown, they're going to double down a lot. So, uh, you know, the question is, if Ryan Tannehill has an eternity, he can also run. Yeah. Um, so that was where I thought potentially, and early in the season last year where Denver really struggled was not stopping the pass, but stopping the run. Uh, and yeah. that's something when they redid their front and promoted Alexander Johnson to be a starter, it seemed to help with the run defense. But to me, that's still a little bit of a question because of some of the evolving pieces. And that's where they'll miss Vaughn the most. 
Gotcha. So I guess that's probably where our our difference in our rankings come in. Because I think I, I don't expect AJ Brown to have a huge game. Although I'm gonna be honest, we talked about this Friday. I wasn't expecting a lot of people to have huge games, and that <laughs> turned out to be wrong. Uh, but I did. Uh, I do think AJ Brown's going to get fed tonight because I don't like anybody else in that receiving core outside of John New Smith, who I also have. But we all have him kind of high. I mean, you have him at 17. Uh, I have him at 12. Dennis 14. So that's. I mean, we're we're all kind of in the same area. The biggest difference, I guess, came between me and Dennis and you on AJ Brown. I have him at 15. Dennis has him at 20. You have him at 28. So, but you saying what you just did about the secondary well, there kind of explains the and difference. AJ Boye has plenty of experience with Tennessee because he came over yeah. from Jacksonville. So he played him twice a year. He's familiar with uh, the setup. I, that's where I actually think the, the teeth of Denver's defense right now is in their secondary. Yeah, just so you're you're leaning more of a Jonu Smith thing game kind of not kind of night tonight for for that. And that's why I like Ted Mary, you know, maybe um because Dar- Darrington Evans is out. So yeah. I think we've seen in the past Henry's not an epic pass catcher, but he can stand out in the flat and get a ball, and he is a, a tough guy to bring down. Denver to me, I think friend uh, you know, the flats I would worry about, possibly over the middle, I would worry about. On Denver's side here, so me and you are split on Drew Locke. I have him at 28. Dennis has him at 21. You have him at 19. For me, I just think Tennessee's defense is so good, and I did kind of factor in Cortland Sutton being out as well when I dropped him. I think I had him. Tw- I think I actually had him like 21, so I was right there with you when we first did our ranks. But then Cortland Sutton being out, like I like Jerry Judy, love Noah Fant. I just, with as good as that Tennessee defense is, it scares me tonight. I would not be surprised if they rely heavily on Lindsey and Gordon and kind of steer away from the passing game a little bit and try and do like run running the ball and controlling the clock more than where I think they could have been a little bit in a, in a not necessarily a shootout, but more of a pass-heavy game had Cortland Sutton been there because I think they would have tried to keep up with Tennessee and vice versa. So are you still kind of that high on Drew Locke or have you lowered expectations a little bit with knowing that now, I think the last report I saw is Cortland Sutton is likely not going to play is what it's, or it seemed he's chances of him playing are slim. He's a true game time decision. They were talking about using the jumping jack test to see if he gets in there. Even if he suits up, I would not play him. Um, you know, I think you just kind of disregard. I'm not incredibly high on either, uh, you know, Judy in his first game or Tim Patrick either, but I think they're going to use the running backs as pass catchers, and they're also going to use multiple tight ends. Um, Jake Butt had an amazing camp. Albert O has uh, college experience with Locke, had an amazing camp. Nick Vanette is there, uh, has had a very good camp, and, of course, Fant. I think they're going to use a lot of 12 personnel or possibly three tight ends on the field. And I think he can do pretty well using his running backs and tight ends. And that's actually something, if you look at some of Shermer's offenses, I mean, we're talking about a guy that fed Kyle Rudolph 145 targets a couple of years ago. Yeah. So I mean, he's not afraid to gun it with tight ends and running backs. Uh, you know, we forget it was nice to see, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about Jarek McKinnon kind of make a comeback, but that year from Minnesota where he was really the, the one that earned him that free agent contract came in Shermer's system. Yeah, and I mean, I'll let, let's just be honest here too. It's not going to take much for him to be up there around 2021 20, because right now sitting at 21 <laughs> is Derek Carr with 13.56 points. So it was it was not a good quarterback and running back day, and that's where I, I think, like, I know, you know, Locke, Henry, uh, the two Broncos backs, if they 
you know, they could just have okay games and still vault up to be usable QB two. I don't think any of us think box a QB one, but if you're in super flex, you know, you probably have already made this decision, but yeah, I, I like, I would, I would trust him more than say, if you were trying to decide between him and Daniel Jones, because I think Pittsburgh's defense yeah. and the way they like to blitz and the way they like to attack would scare me a little bit more than Tennessee. I know a lot of people are making a big deal about Jadavian Clowney. He had no camp. He's really had no time to practice with them. He signed with them last week. I'm sure he might play some, but that's going to be severe snap count limits. He's probably just going in there on obvious pass rushing downs. I think Denver is going to use Andrew Beck, uh, you know, at the fullback position and Bennett at a fullback position to help block. I wouldn't be surprised if they play a lot of one receiver, two tight end, two running backs and start splitting those running backs out wide into the slot. So on the running backs, um, we're a little bit split here. I have Lindsey and Gordon finishing really close to each other. I have Lindsey at 23, Gordon at 20. Dennis has Lindsey at 31, Gordon at 20. Then you have Lindsey at 22, and Gordon at 30. So it makes a little bit sense on, on mine and your end being a little bit higher on Lindsey. We have been higher on Lindsey than Dennis has. Dennis has been all in on, on Gordon kind of being the guy. Where, I guess, do you see it being still that much split? I know Gordon is, is suffering with uh, breathing issues and everything. Do you see it that much of a split or knowing, again, that Sutton's out? You know, is it more of a, you think, probably, as you just said, leaning on both of those guys more than anything else? Yeah, I think they're going to split the carries. The difference to me is um, a lot of this offseason and camp has been focused on the real connection between Lindsey and Locke in the passing game. Even the Denver Broncos official account has posted a few times uh, Lindsey going out on routes. I think Gordon, there's some conditioning, there's some adjustment. Um, he's probably a superior blocker because he's bigger. Yeah. Uh, so I think when they, when they split a running back out into the slot, it, to me it's more likely to be Lindsey. And then me and you both have Fant in our top 10. I have him at 6. You have him at 10. Dennis has him at 13. So we're all pretty much in on Fant having a good game today. Probably even more so now having knowing that Sutton's out. Obviously, when we did these rankings last, it was still kind of a Sutton may play. Not sure what to do, what to think with him. It's pretty much, at least in my opinion, confirmed he's not playing tonight. I know I'm well, I'm forced to start him in one, unfortunately, because my last option was Josh Reynolds last night. And I'm not going to lie. I completely forgot about it. And so I did not switch him out at the last minute. Not that I think it really would have mattered that much. I don't think what it, I know Reynolds had one catch. I don't I don't think he did much else outside of that. So I, I can't imagine yeah. he put up much points anyways. I do have the option, though, in one of my other leagues to swap out. I actually think it might be an hour redraft league. I have Darius Slayton and Cortland Sutton. Yes, it is, because I know I remember I sniped you on Cortland Sutton. So I have Darius yeah. Slayton. I will be switching him out tonight for Darius Slayton, because I think even as you mentioned, if Cortland Sutton plays, I'm not expecting him to do much. And I think I've got a much higher ceiling with Darius Slayton tonight than I do uh than I do with, with Cortland Sutton. What about you? Like how, how are you approaching the Cortland Sutton dilemma, I guess, tonight? I took him out everywhere on Friday. Uh just the listening to the reports and I mean a sprained AC joint, in my opinion, I'm gonna be a little bummed out if they actually play him because that's the kind of thing where he's not going to be incredibly effective yeah. if they throw to him. I think if they have him in there it's probably just as a decoy but i don't even want him to be blocking and things like that we you know you need 
for that kind of injury, he probably just needs some time to rest and heal. This isn't something that happened a long time ago. This happened the middle of last week, you know, near the end. I think it was either Wednesday or Thursday because we were yeah, kind of kind of going over it even on Friday morning. They they I think it was Thursday. It must have been Thursday. The night of yeah, the first because game. I think because Wednesday I think was Von Miller and then Sutton Tuesday happened like a day. Yeah, it, it almost happened like a day after is what it felt like. Yeah. So I, I mean I just took him out. I looked to make my my best decisions. Uh like I said, even if if he's a go, I mean, we saw what happens with Mike Evans. They upgraded him from doubtful to questionable on Saturday. A lot of us got excited. I only have him on one team. I decided not to play him. And after I watched that game, I was like, thank God, because, you know, they're not ready to go. Yeah. All right. So predictions for tonight. What what are you expecting from the Tennessee Titans and Broncos game? And then give me your, your pick for the winner, though I have a feeling I know which way it's leading. Yeah, I think it's going to be low scoring. I, I've I picked Denver before all the injuries happen, and I'm sticking with it. You know, I think we've seen home teams do uh, pretty well. Even home teams that we thought might struggle, like Jacksonville and Washington, seem to get a little bit of that edge early in the season. Also, Denver, even without fans, has a sort of built-in home field advantage in the altitude. Um, and especially in this kind of current health climate that we're in, they didn't come in super early to acclimate as some teams do. You're in the first game of the season with no preseason, so game conditioning we saw all throughout the weekend was a little bit of an issue, a lot of rotations of players. That becomes even more magnified when you're playing at altitude and mile high. Yeah, uh, and I've been right there with you. I've had I've, my pick has been the Broncos. I like the Titans, but I, same thing. I think they have that built-in home field advantage, and it's a little bit different this year, too. Because as as we know, and I'm sure you know, being a Broncos fan, a lot of teams usually go up there before game time to try and acclimate acclimate to that, and they haven't been able to do that. And I do think that's going to be a big deal. Mentioned earlier, for whatever reason, Denver and that defense has really been able to kind of slow down Henry the past couple times they played him. And I think that offense runs almost solely through Henry. You know, A.J. Brown, John New Smith are good players, but I don't know if they can rely solely on them to win the game like they do Henry. So I am picking the Broncos to win again. Same thing as you said, in a close game tonight, though, a lot of the games that I thought were going to be close this weekend weren't. So that might not be a good thing. But let's jump into the games um, that we had this past weekend. First and 10 at the Lions 29, and Prescott goes screen right. Elliott down the right side to the 25, to the 20, to the 10. Elliott to the pylon. Zeke Elliott, touchdown. 38 on the screen. Second down and 10, takes the snap, gives it, Chubb runs, he's in the 10, 15, he's in the 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, there goes Chubb, he's in the 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Chubb a lava hub! 92 yards! from Adam. Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay oh, oh my God. Oh my God. 30. No. 10. Touchdown. Oh. 
Uh, so we'll start with uh, Seattle and Atlanta. Seattle wins that one 38-25. So it kind of was a shootout like we had talked about on Friday. Russell Wilson comes in as QB1 with 31.7 points. Carson has a huge day, RB7 with 24.6. Metcalf, same thing, wide receiver 11, 19.5. Lockett, wide receiver 18 with 17.2. And Greg Olson, tied in nine with 12.4 points. So Metcalf has a great game. You know, I had him above Lockett in the rankings. That's something I want. We're going to start doing on Tuesdays now. We'll go over. We'll save those for waiver wire stuff. I don't know if I've actually announced this. I'll say it now. We're going to do waiver wire stuff on Tuesday now. Me and Matt are going to try and get through every game on Monday. We'll recap the Monday night football game. So we'll have two tomorrow, obviously. Waiver wires. And then we'll kind of talk about what we got right and wrong in our rankings to kind of give you guys full transparency, especially for those who are in the Discord channel and actually see our rankings. Uh, so what do you think about Olsen? He wasn't a huge part of the game plan yesterday, but he did, in my, from the parts of the game I saw, have not had a chance to watch the entire game. He was looked like featured in the red zone a couple times. It, are you buying into Olsen now as possibly a, a low-end tight end, too? What are you thinking with him? Yeah, I think with with all the Seattle pass catchers, touchdowns are going to be uh, the big thing. You know, we saw that with the receivers, Lockett caught more passes, but Metcalf gets a touchdown, finishes better. They've always seemed to like um, tight ends in the red zone. It was interesting to me, both of Carson's touchdowns were passing yeah. touchdowns. Um, so if, if they are going to let Russell throw more, which seemed to be – Let uh, Russ cook. That was yeah, the whole off-season thing. Yeah, seems to be a little bit of a shift. I think you know they got a veteran guy like Olson. He is chasing a ring, but also they like having a tight end to pass to. Um, it'll be more of a question to me when Disley gets back going. I think he's still recovering from his injury, but yeah. I liked Olson to have some appeal. I do think he's going to be a little touchdown dependent. You're not going to see yeah. that that you know, what we used to see in his peak where he might catch six for 110 and then get you a touchdown on top. If he gets you a touchdown, he's worth a start. If he doesn't get you a touchdown, you probably get three points, you know, four points. On the Falcons side, Ryan QB eight with 23 points. Gurley RB 18 with 13 uh, Calvin really, who burned me everywhere this week. I think he saw my ranking of him and said, fuck you. And when, I mean, I played him in so many leagues this weekend and I'm losing every single one of them because he went off. Uh, he goes off for 33 points. Julio Jones has a big day with 24 and Hayden Hurst tied in 20 with 6.8 points. So I was talking to someone about this today because I feel like this is karma getting back at me. I talked badly about Hayden Hurst all off season. You know, you and you and Dennis were both saying you thought he was going to go in there and have a good year, you know, going in for that Hooper. I was like, nah, I don't see it yet. I drafted him everywhere because I was like, you know what? I'll just buy into it. And then he gets me 6.8 points. And I believe uh, on Friday, uh, you guys may have told me that my. My low tight end two ranking was yes, yeah. Was I am is like tight end eight this week, so I was off I think Dennis did big too. time. So yeah, it, that he burned I, me, and then and Ridley as well. So I will I wanna, say though, this yeah. is classic Atlanta. If you you know, if you look at the stat sheet, it looks like they had four hundred and fifty yards passing. They had three hundred yard receivers, and Ridley looks like he was incredible. He did almost all of that in garbage time when Seattle was basically playing the prevent to prevent injuries and had already won the game. Yeah, but that matters. Garbage points matter for, for fantasy, as I learned with my lost Amari Cooper bets last year. It doesn't matter because he put up the points, even though he did absolutely nothing for three quarters. That fourth quarter matters. So I'm, 
I'm curious as to your thoughts because I kind of feel like the emergence of Ridley may hurt Hurst more than some of us thought it would coming on. Like part of the reason I was in on Hurst is Ridley was not a big factor last year. Now, obviously he was hurt, so that might have played into it. But I feel like Ryan had to rely on Hooper where that was his big breakout year. I know you were big on Hooper all last yeah. year and you were right on that until he got hurt. So do you think that possibly the emergence of Ridley is now going to hurt Hurst's value where we all, a lot of people had him very high. Maybe we should knock him down a peg if Ridley can stay healthy. Yeah, that's possible. He's also, you know, a new player learning a, a system. Hooper wasn't exactly the Hooper we saw last year, his first couple of years there either. Hurst has never really been the guy or featured he had some good moments while Boyle and Andrews were more target feature targets for Baltimore. I also think it's going to depend on the matchup. I had said on Friday, one of my concerns also with Hurst is the fact that if you were looking at the Seattle defense, the spine of their defense, the safety and linebackers are probably their strength, which kind of negates a tight end. I would think corner would be more of a place where you could exploit them. And I think that's what we saw. All three receivers going over 100 yards kind of tells you that that's where they found the soft spots. You didn't have Gurley having a, a big rushing game. You didn't have Hurst finding a lot of room to operate. And the defensive star of the game was Jamal Adams. So yeah. that kind of tracks with the matchup a little bit, I would say. I will say Hurst had like one of the best catches of the weekend, though. Like that that catch he made diving was pretty awesome. I'll give him that. But yeah, I do expect better days coming for him as well. It may have just been. And we did talk about it Friday. We were a little bit worried with having Jamal Adams there and their safeties that they have. Could that Hurst uh, hurt Hurst value? I just didn't think so. Maybe that was just because I wanted it to be okay because I had him in so many of my lineups. Jets and Bills. Uh, the Jets get 17, Bills 27. On the Jets' side, Sam Darnold, 11 points. Bell, 6 points. Crowder, 24. And Herndon, 7. Uh, let's save Bell for uh, the second part of this discussion, he, as he is hurt. Uh, but Crowder, I know he gets 24 points, but most of that comes on the broken play where he goes for – it was like a 60-yard touchdown pass. Uh, outside of that, he he doesn't have a huge day. Still good. I think it would obviously been, what, like 10 points or something like that, 12 points. So he still has a, a decent day, but not quite as big without that, that big touchdown. Is he the only player you're buying into right now for the Jets' offense? I think he's the only one you're considering starting week to week. You know, um, I still – like potential of Herndon, as we yeah. talked about before, but we might need to see him play his way into it uh, after missing so much time and adjusting to the system. Crowder seems to be the one that's that's the best lock for targets. Yeah, and I mean, again, Herndon, so he got 7.7 points. I was trying to see what that is. I mean, that's still finished as a – oh, where did he go? I lost him on my sheet here. I don't know. Where did he go? Well, this is this is awesome podcasting. I'll forget that for right now and come back to it later. But still, that's not bad for a tight end. I mean, you're looking at, uh, you know, still still at least decent points for him in his first game back. He did not really play much at all last year, so that's still not bad. Is that seven points or point seven points? It was seven point seven points. Seven point seven points. So he should have. 
So he had like a couple of catches. Oh, there we go. That's 20 why. 20 or 30 yards. Forgetting uh, this thing resets to fucking standard every time I try and change it. So so that brought him in. Uh, he, was, he was tied in 18. So again, first game back playing tied in 18. Not bad. I don't think any of us, uh, I think I had him in my top 15. So it's still not bad. I was hey, he would have been better there. than Hayden Hurst or Seth. Oh, I know. Second. Trust me. I know. I know. Thanks for continually rubbing that in me, starting Hayden Hurst everywhere. Le'Veon Bell, interesting discussion because all offseason we heard that he was a little bit overweight and his hamstring was bothering him, and then he would go on social media and post pictures of him completely ripped and saying his hamstring's fine. Yet if you watched the Jets game yesterday, he looked a little bit overweight to me, and he hurt his hamstring. I... If I can, I'm out of Le'Veon Bell business. If I I don't own him anywhere anyways, but if I own him, I'm doing everything I possibly can to move on from him. I, I think he's done with New York. I, I know the report came out today. Gay said he's likely going to miss a couple weeks. You know, and I'm going to be honest, I'm not picking up anybody in that backfield either. We, we'll discuss a little bit more tomorrow, obviously, but I just... For me, it's Crowder, and that's it. I, I just I can't trust anybody else here. Herndon hopefully will get into that, but as you just mentioned, Crowder's the only guy. What What are your thoughts on Bell here? Because I know you were you were big on Bell last year, and he got you, him and you got Adam Gaste. What are you kind of your thoughts right now with what's going on with Le'Veon? Yeah, I mean, the Jets suck, yeah. and I don't think Gaste ever wanted him, and it. We even when he signed, as much as I love Bell, I thought it was a mediocre fit at best. Yeah. So it's just very, very disappointing. Yeah, unfortunately, it does stay. Is is to watch a guy who I think had he had three probably three more years close to what he did in Pittsburgh would be borderline hall of famer. And I don't think he's, he's not going to ever get that again. He's just, he's clearly yeah. lost a step and I don't think, I just don't see a place that's going to take him. And maybe I uh, guess the biggest thing you can hope for is maybe a contender needs him. If you see another injury happen and they trade for him. But outside of that, I would not expect much from bell this year. And you just have to wonder too, what's the year that he sat out? You know, for a, for a running back, it feels like you have such a short window when you're at your peak. Did we, you know, did you miss? And he's one that I'm going to think about long and hard. We have that discussion, Dynasty, when when should you give up on these veteran running backs? I, because I had held him through that whole thing, you know, I wanted to get a better return on investment now doesn't look like that's going to happen. I mean, the one thing you can say, I guess, is while it may have ruined his career, he did, in a way, kind of bite the bullet for all the running backs past him because anytime now a guy mentions holding out, that's exactly what everybody talks about. So, well, will he pull a Le'Veon Bell? And we see those guys getting paid. So he may have been, unfortunately, kind of the sacrificial lamb to kind of to let this happen. I obviously hope he gets another shot, and I think we even talked about it last Last year, him being there with Adam Gase was not going to be great for him as good as he was because none of us think Adam Gase is a, a great coach. So that that does kind of kill his value. On the Bills side, Josh Allen, 28 points. Devin Singletary, 10. Zach Moss, 11. Stephon Diggs, 16. And John Brown, 19. It's insane to me how much, how much more points John Brown 
and Stefan Diggs could have had had Josh Allen just been a little bit more accurate yesterday. I was watching a lot of red zone. I know he overthrew John Brown on one. Diggs don't want Dawson Knox wide open in the end zone with uh, I think the closest defender was on the five yard line and Dawson Knox was standing in the back of the end zone and Josh Allen threw it like four rows deep. It was ridiculous. I don't regardless, I think with Allen, you know, his, his legs, you're going to keep him in there and keep playing him. But what are you doing with Singletary and Moss? Now I think Diggs and Brown, we'll, we'll save Diggs and Brown for another discussion here in a minute. Singletary and Moss. I think Singletary got a good, good run, but it seemed like Moss was the receiving down back and they were using him more in the, in the red zone area, even though Josh Allen got the rushing touchdown, Moss did get a receiving touchdown. Are you, are we at that point already here in week one where it's time to really freak out if you own Devin Singletary? Yeah, I think the real problem. So Singletary had more carries, more rushing yardage, more receptions, more passing yardage, but you don't really thrive in fantasy. If you're the guy between the twenties, Yeah, you thrive if you're the guy inside the 20 and unfortunately, that appears to be at least the role that Moss has secured for himself. And between that and Josh Allen, Singletary is going to be a nice low-end RB3 that you you know that might catch one long one and get you in RB2 territory. And unfortunately, that crushes a lot of our hopes and dreams. Yeah, and I mean, the one bad thing I'll say about Singletary, too, is he doesn't have that game-breaking speed either, so you can't really count on him breaking a long run for a touchdown either, like maybe a 30-yarder. But I don't see – he's one of those guys where if he breaks something on the other 20, he's going to get caught before he gets to the end zone. He just doesn't have that long speed. So I am with you there. John Brown and Diggs, I'm not necessarily worried about them. They both seem to be like right in the same area target-wise. I think Brown is going to be the guy to own right now. Something we've talked about here a lot lately with no preseason and everything. It's going to be those guys that are comfortable in the system. Diggs came over late. He was talking about opting out earlier in the season and not wanting to play. John Brown and Allen have that that comfortability and that chemistry between the two of them. So I do think Diggs will be the guy to own as the season goes on. But right now, I do think John Brown is the guy. What are, what are your thoughts on those two? Yeah, I think the most encouraging thing for me is the real fear was that those two guys would be kind of at odds. Um, because of the position they play and it would be one or the other having success and Cole Beasley having success. And I think we saw yesterday that they have found a way to allow both those guys to have success. And I think they could both be playable. I think the ceiling's probably capped for both, but you know, one of the questions all off season was, is Cole Beasley the real steal here? He is not. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, uh, I had to put him in a couple of lineups yesterday, and that's not including Scott Fishbowl, which my team went to shit yesterday. I was yeah. not excited looking at that uh, that box score. I looked at mine. I had a couple of nice performers, and I, I'm playing uh, Vernon from Dynasty Nerds, and he just yeah crushed you. Exploded. Yeah. I I forget how savage the quarterback scoring can be. Carson Wentz was worth like a, a point yeah. and a half. Well, hey, you think that's bad. I had in one that I'm with Ray Garvin over at Destination Debbie. He has the Scott Fishbowl scoring in my quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield and Dwayne Haskins got me a whopping 5.2 points, baby. I still won the week because I had Chris Carson, Zeke, and Adams. But 5.2 points is not exactly what you want out of two quarterbacks in, in Superflex. So, yeah, I was uh, not 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 thrilled with that. Not looking forward to my season either. I was hoping Baker was going to be a little bit better, but it does not look like that's going to happen. Yeah, it was a 
it was a tough day. But all right, so sorry, my son was coming over here and, and telling me that I said a bad word, which I did. I encourage him to to call out dad when he curses, so I apologize about that. Bears and Lions. The Bears pull off a huge upset in this one, 27-23. Uh, Mitch Trubisky comes alive in the fourth quarter. I do own him in a couple of uh, uh, super flex leagues and started him yesterday, so I'm happy about that. Uh, 24 points for him. Montgomery, 8 points. Cohen, 6. A-Rob, unfortunately, just 12. Miller, 17. And Graham, 11. What are we thinking about Trubisky now? I mean, we, I talked about it on Friday. I did think this was a great matchup for both him and Stafford with the way that these defenses were. And he did not look great early, but that fourth quarter, he really kind of came on. Is he moving himself back up into that low-end QB2 territory for you? Yeah, I want to see it against somebody that's not Detroit. Um, I saw somebody post a stat that the last three times he's played Detroit, he's gone for three touchdowns. Yeah. That was Nick so, Whalen, yeah. Yeah, so that might be, uh, you know, let's let's see a little. And you're you're right. Like uh, there was, you know, fantasy football Twitter was talking about how much Mitch Trubisky sucked for three quarters, and all of a sudden went deathly silent. I think the other thing, um, you know, what's more of an interesting takeaway for me is we thought it was pretty much just going to that he only had eyes for Allen Robinson and Robinson was the one guy who didn't catch a touchdown in that parade yeah. in the fourth quarter. Jimmy Graham looked like a good fit, almost had two touchdowns. Uh, he got called down like right at the one, that touchdown that went to whims. Um, but I was encouraged. We've wondered, can Anthony Miller potentially be fantasy viable? I want to see it over more than one week, but I was encouraged that Trubisky was looking for him, was able to get him the ball, and they were able to make a connection. Well, and they those two had a pretty good connection toward the end of last year as well, once he came back from being hurt. And, I mean, he did – it was a beautiful catch right there in the corner of the end zone. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I like what I saw out of Anthony Miller, but I need to see that like two week, two, three, four, if he's still yeah. doing it. Great. Like I wouldn't, and again, we'll talk more about waiver wire stuff tomorrow. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad if someone picked him up or I might spend some money to try and get him, but I'm not starting him until I see it for a couple of weeks and him continuing to produce on the Lions side. Stafford puts up 16 points, Adrian Peterson, 14 Swift, 11 Marvin Jones, a disappointing nine and Hawkinson, 16, uh, Swift should have been like 24, though, let's be honest. Yeah. Well, and and Swift should have had like 20, or no, uh, like 17 had he just caught that ball. Or That's no, right. Been 20, this is like a 34. Yeah, Swift should have been over 20. Yeah. Because- Ugh, Swift. So what what are we doing with that? Because I'm, I'm, I'm honestly a little bit worried about it. I liked how much they were using him down toward the end. Obviously, Adrian Peterson was getting a lot of the run. I also got three catches as well, which was mm-hmm. outstanding to me. But the fact that Swift dropped that ball and in essence cost them the game, I kind of feel like Matt Patricia is going to be like, you can sit on the bench now and Swift's not going to get a lot of run because we did not see a lot of carry on. Mm-hmm. It was really the Peterson Swift show. So kind of where, where are you going with that backfield? Now, I mean, that's one possibility. B, when Kenny Galladay is back, I think we're going to see a little bit of a completely different passing structure. But I feel pretty good based on what I saw that Swift this year has real strong Theo Riddick potential, you know, and I mean Riddick when he was really humming for Detroit, what would scare me the most if I owned any pieces of that is carry on Johnson looks like uh, you should, he he might not even deserve to be rostered at this point because if AP rolled in off the street and was doing that, they're going to use him to pound it out 
on the ground and Swift looked like he, he has kind of captured the passing down back role. I think that leaves carry on out in the cold barring injury. Yeah. And I mean, I, that's what I've been saying this whole time when they signed Adrian Peterson, that's what I said. I think that's more an indictment on carry on Johnson than anything else. And I, I'm with you. I think it's, I, I, I hope that Swift is still there. Like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I don't want to say in the doghouse, but we've seen Matt Patricia when he gets players in his doghouse, sometimes doesn't let him out for a couple of games. So hopefully it's not a big issue, but that, that was a big drop. I mean, Man, that was that was that was bad. Uh, yeah, Jones- first NFL action, kind of a big yeah. moment. I, I think they're going to have Galladay back, so you know his targets may drop a little bit. Anyway, hopefully they're going to have Galladay back. Yeah, I, I was still encouraged by his use, and I, I don't think he's going to get completely shut out after one play. Uh, Jones obviously disappointing, but there's no don't freak out about him. It's just one of those games. He's always played better as a two than a one. Maybe we all kind of hyped him up a little bit too much, kind of like Boston Scott, who we'll get into later. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things. Jones is still going to probably at the end of the year, I think, still be a wide receiver two at worst high end wide receiver three. It's just a bad game. Are you believing in Hawkinson, though? We saw this last year. That first game comes out on fire. Now, last year was more due to injury. Uh, so Hawkinson, is he that guy? Are you rising him up your boards a little bit? I don't, we'll talk obviously more tomorrow. I don't know if he's a tight end that's really rostered or, or rostered a lot in redraft leagues. Is he a guy that you'd spend up on to get a tight end? I mean, I, I thought he had, I, would, I had him as a high end tight end too, uh, you know, in our preseason ranks. Yeah. I still feel good in that position. You know, he had, I think three touchdowns. Was it on opening day last year? Yeah something like that just absolutely exploded and then, you know, came back to earth. There's a lot of potential uh, in some of the Detroit, you know, pass catchers. And again, we need to see this offense with all the pieces in place where Galladay is there. Uh, You know, I think we all thought Hawkinson might be the biggest beneficiary of Galladay missing week one. And he certainly was five for 56, I think is what he caught and the yeah. touchdown. That's not blow me away numbers. So, uh, yeah. but I think he's, he's going to be solid. He'll be fringe playable every week. Onto a game that I had no idea was going to be this high offensive power. And I, I talked about this being a run heavy game in the Packers Vikings uh, Packers put up 43 on that Vikings defense. Vikings get 34. Aaron Rodgers shut me up, puts up 30 points in this. I think you and Dennis both had him ranked as like a high QB one or right at the bottom tier of that QB one. I had him at like 22. So that was uh, I'm definitely going to be wrong on that one. Aaron Jones has a good game with 17 points. Devontae Adams balls out with 41. Makes me and you look good having him as our number one wide receiver this week. MVS at 19. So if Dennis were here, he'd be singing his praises because he's been all about MVS all offseason. And Lazard comes through as well with 18 points. You know, we kind of expect this from Adams. We know that those two have that that connection. So there's not much point there. Adams is a stud when he's healthy. In my opinion, he's in argument for one of the, one of, if not the best wide receiver in the game. But what we saw out of MVS and Lazard, do you think that's more a product of how bad the Vikings defense was or possibly those two coming on? We saw Lazard come on late, MVS early last year before MVS's injury kind of led to Lazard coming on. What are you doing with those two guys? So, you know, I may have had Rodgers higher than you, but I didn't have him 360 yards, four touchdowns (laughs) higher than you. I I think we tended to – it's as weird as it sounds. 
you forget how good Aaron Rodgers is and how throughout his career, nobody knew who Randall Cobb was until he started catching a ton of passes. And we've seen Cobb go other places and not be like that explosive Randall Cobb. We saw Jordy Nelson leave Aaron Rodgers and essentially end up into forced retirement. I think at some point in time, we, we just have to remember that Rodgers doesn't really care if these guys' names strike fear in the hearts of others. I was watching the, you know, the film breakdown on football night in America. And, you know, Chris Sims is just circling what Aaron Rodgers is seeing and thinking, Hey, my guy's pretty tall and fast. I'm just going to put it over the top of the defender and we're going to get a touchdown. And that's exactly what happened. I think those are the things that Dennis likes about MVS. Do I think it's consistent? I don't know. There was a lot of big plays in this game. And I feel like that's, that might have been our criticism of MVS consistently from the first couple of years is he can get you that 75-yard touchdown and and pull these wide receiver two, wide receiver one numbers, but you don't get it every week. And if you get two catches for 15 yards, what's that going to do for you? Adams, I still think, is the most consistent. But I think Rodgers proved if he needs to go back there and throw to win, he can. And seeing how Mitch Trubisky carved up Detroit – and how Matthew Stafford threw against Chicago and thinking about, you know, Aaron Rodgers, their line still looks pretty good. They can run if they need to run. Aaron Jones looked fine. People were talking about, oh, Aaron Jones was terrible. No, they didn't need Aaron Jones because yeah. they were bombing it over the top. Aaron Jones looked fine when he was in there. They have maybe, you know, maybe we undersold. We wrote Aaron Rodgers' tombstone wow. a little too early. You guys did. I saw the Packers winning the division at 12-4. and four. I just didn't think that it was going to be a pass-heavy game this game. I, I still <laughs> like Rodgers. I still, I know we all still had him high in our preseason ranks. I just didn't have him high this week. I did not expect that, I'll be honest. Like I, but I did yeah. say I thought Devontae Adams would have a huge game, but I remember Friday, I was like, yeah, I think Adams is going to have a huge game. It's just not, it doesn't mean Rodgers is going to have one. Yeah, Rodgers, my God. So, yeah, it, it was... And I agree with you. I don't know why people keep saying Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones still had a good game, and they mixed in Jamal Williams here and there, but for the most part, Aaron Jones still had a really good game. Put up 17 points, not really even getting used that much because of yeah. the big plays. So, yeah. Well, I'm, we can, I'm we can pump the brakes now on A.J. Dillon because the yeah. Packers' third running back was Tyler Irvin. Yeah, yeah, that was even more surprising to me. On the Vikings side, uh, Kirk Cousins ends up having a good day. A lot of that being kind of throwing to have to keep up 21 points, cook 21 points, Thielen 31 points. So I feel like that's a win-loss for me because I, I did have Thielen in my top 10, but I thought that he would get shadowed by Jair Alexander, and Jair Alexander would shut him down. I mean, Jair Alexander had a phenomenal game, an interception, a fumble recovery, a safety. He just didn't shut down Adam Thielen like I thought he was. But that was another game where you had a little bit of, and I I know what you're saying for fantasy, we don't care about garbage time points, but Thielen, I saw a few of those touchdowns come when, when Minnesota was was pretty far out of it. Yeah, it was over. But so that, that brings me to my next point here and and you, you put it on here and I, I think this is a great thing to point out. That defense looked really bad, and I understand that a lot of people are going to say this. I think that the the Packers and Rodgers are still one of the best teams in the NFC, but that defense still looked really bad. If they're going to be in a lot of shootouts, that's only good news for guys like Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen because Dalvin Cook can catch the ball of the field. I think he only got one ca- uh, one pass catch this 
past week, for whatever reason, they were using Madison more. I think that was just a game script thing. I, I don't think that's going to continue. So I actually think this is good news for your Thielen shares as long as he stays healthy because he is the guy and they're going to have to throw to him a lot. So, I mean, you're not, I would assume, worried really either about Adam Thielen. It's probably just more good news going forward that the defense is bad. Yeah, and I think what we saw is by far and away he's head and shoulders above Johnson and Jefferson at this point. Oh, yeah. Another game I did not expect to go this way. The Dolphins put up 11 points, Patriots 21. I had the, the Dolphins win in this one, but should have figured this was going to happen. Uh, Bill Belichick just has Ryan Fitzpatrick's number, and he had it again this week. Five points for Fitzmagic. Miles Gaskin, the, the kind of surprise here with 10 points at running back. Howard, six. Parker, eight. Preston, six. And Gusecki, six. I'm not going to take much away from this one. I, I just think it was one of those things where they don't ever really seem to play New England well in New England. I thought maybe they'd be able to pull this one off with the, you know, we talked about Friday, all the defensive starters they lost, even though they still had Gilmore and everybody in that secondary. I thought maybe they could get one over here. I'm not going to take much away from this. I guess the big question is going to come down to with as bad as Fitzpatrick played, let's say that he does this for another couple weeks. Miami's already come out earlier in the season, said they want this to be a redshirt season for two. And now, granted, we heard that from Jacksonville a couple of years ago with Blake Bortles, and he ended up starting. How hmm. long are you giving Fitzpatrick as the starter before we you think we see Tua out there? Yeah, and see, coming into the season, I was one of those people that was that thought we may not see Tua at all, or we see him for one game. I thought the way Fitzmagic played down the stretch was very energetic and seemed to gel and seemed to do a lot of good things. We saw none of that yesterday, and this isn't exactly the same Patriots defense. Uh, they still apparently can't run the ball, uh, which I thought they had done some work on the offensive line. They brought in some better running backs. I also thought it was a little bit of an indictment of Brita. Uh, that you're seeing Gaskin kind of be the guy that they were going with uh, when they were down. Uh, and stuff, but you know, if Fitzmagic is is slinging the ball around and they're scoring some points and they're just coming up short, I think they're happy to play that. But yeah. zero touchdowns, three interceptions—they looked ghastly yesterday. Yeah. If that continues, I think even though you're you know you're rebuilding, if you're Flores, you're like, no, that you know. He, he I, it struck me they don't mind losing and he doesn't mind losing, but it's how you're playing. Yeah. And that was a really, really flat performance. Uh, we should also mention that Devontae Parker did come up injured in this one. Uh, a little bit weird because he wasn't even listed on the injury report going into the game. But then I guess they said he, he had a bot or his hamstring was bothering him. Comes back up in the game. Something to watch. Um, again, I'm not a big uh, Parker fan did have a decent game, I guess, with eight points. You know, another thing to monitor, Gaskin, how much is this just because they were behind? I mean, Howard still gets you the touchdown, so he probably somewhat salvages your day, as me and Ricky talked about Sunday morning. I felt like that was going to be the biggest thing for Howard. He needs to get a touchdown to have to salvage your day, but Gaskin did get a lot of runs. So a guy we'll talk more about tomorrow with waivers because I imagine he's not owned by many. On the Patriots side here, Cam Newton, 25 points. Michelle, 9. Edelman, 13. Cam looked good. The one thing I will say is I was a little bit worried about some of the hits he was taking. I feel like he looked like he went out there was kind of like on a mission to prove that he's healthy and can still run you over. I kind of hope he starts getting out of bounds or sliding. 
uh, in these next couple games because I don't want him to get hurt again. But he looked back to me. So what does this mean for you and this Patriots offense moving forward? Well, see, that's the thing. It seemed like their offense was him as their lead yeah. running back. I mean, they showed a crucial fourth down in the, in the goal line where they literally had three tight ends and a fullback. And the way they moved motion, you knew they were just putting everybody up to block for him. There was no, I wonder what this play might be. No, we're lining up and he's our best running back and that's how we're doing it. It was a very interesting performance Really uh, watching the way they they played, if it wasn't a team-specific game plan, which you can never put past New England to do, you know, this was our week one game plan, and next week we have something completely different, I would be very worried if I'm a James White owner because he's not a big runner, and there wasn't much passing to be had. Basically, Edelman, you, you still have, and you're probably still rolling out, but I'm not interested in anybody else. And then it it might actually have benefited Michelle the most because he comes in to be that other kind of battering ram back. Like they, they used him at the goal line uh, for goal line carries, but it was a very curious, you know, if I'm going into week two, the only one I'm considering starting is Cam Newton, which is odd to say after being that unsure about what we were going to see after two years of kind of nothing. Yeah, and it makes all of us, including uh, people like me who have Damian Harris stashed on their IR, not hopeful for his return in a couple weeks because that I don't know if he can carve out. He looked like he was going to be the guy, and now I I don't I kind of want to just avoid him altogether. I, which I guess we probably should have done anyways. We've talked about that for years. Just avoid the New England backfield, and yet we still keep, or at least my stupidity, I keep going back into it. Uh, this game I did not expect at all. Eagles 17, Washington 27. Wentz, you know, looked really good early and then just kind of completely fell apart here. He gets you 13 points. Boston Scott 7.4, Rager 6.5, Ertz 10, and Goddard 24. I think the biggest issue here was obviously their offensive line. Where There's talks that Miles Sanders will definitely be back next week. But is that really going to matter that much with as bad as this offensive line look? Now, I will say, Washington is not a good football team, but their defensive front is one of the best in the league, in my opinion. So they were able to get after Wentz, caused a lot of issues. Having the offensive line, if they're able to get back a little bit, will help them. They're not going to play teams like the Washington football team's defensive front as often as they did, obviously, this week. So we do need to give them some credit there. Ron Rivera comes in there, gives them a spark. But, I mean, what, what what are you thinking right now? Because Wentz, that whole offense just looked horrible the entire second half. You know, and I think there are a lot of people that were very concerned about, um, you know, Philadelphia because of that offensive line. If, even if you look, Cincinnati last year suffered a ton of offensive line injuries preseason, and we saw that even with a competent quarterback and Andy Dalton, some good receiving weapons, and a guy like Joe Mixon, they couldn't get anything going on offense. They couldn't keep themselves up. They couldn't. Uh, they couldn't get going, and. I think we saw a little bit of that from Philadelphia. Maybe Washington has a better defensive line than some teams, but there are a lot of ferocious fronts in the NFC. We saw a lot of NFC contenders who they're going to have to play. Teams like Seattle, teams like Tampa Bay, teams like New Orleans, even Dallas in their own division. Alan Smith looked like a beast. They added uh, Vernon Hargraves. So, I mean, they're going to be facing some tough, tough defensive lines they didn't look like they could block at all and i'm not sure you know miles sanders isn't derrick henry where he's just going to take the ball and carry defenders down you know he needs 
to get out the ball in space and do some of that. They couldn't, they couldn't pass. I mean, it was nice to see Rager get one long pass, but yeah. I, I thought they had a lot of issues and I'm starting to think some of those people that were fading the Eagles and doing a six and 10, five and 11, seven and nine season. I thought that seemed preposterous. Maybe it's not as sketchy a, a, to believe, you know, cause they were not great last year. They yeah. almost played themselves out of the playoffs. Yeah. If their division hadn't really fallen apart at the end, they, they wouldn't have made it in. Their line looks worse. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's going to be the biggest thing going forward. I mean, we'll we'll see if Miles Sanders provides them any relief next week if he plays. He is someone that you can dump the ball off to. We saw Boston Scott get hurt in this one as well. I, I, an undisclosed injury is what they said. So I haven't still have not seen anything else with what what happened it with him. Pride. He, he hurt. Um, yeah, I, that's believable. Uh, so yeah, I don't. I'm, I'll be interested to see what happens with them uh, moving forward. But yeah, that offensive line needs to get fixed and in a hurry if they want to contend for the NFC East. For the Washington football team here, Dwayne Haskins, 12 points. Peyton Barber, 14 points. Antonio Gibson, 6. McLaurin, 11. And Logan Thomas, 13. Uh, I'm not worried about McLaurin. It's just one of those games. He's still a stud. You're starting him every single week. You know, again, we we mentioned it a little bit on uh, Friday. He was going up against Darius Slay most of this game. One of the best guys. It is what it is. You just kind of can't. Uh, you, you can't read too much into that. Uh, Dennis has got Logan Thomas. We are we are going to talk about him. So. Dennis also propped up Peyton Barber. So I guess we got to give him props on that as well. Uh, are these you know? I think that by week three, Peyton Barber's done. I, I just don't see him being the lead back for this backfield. But what are you thinking? I mean, I, I, I still think Bryce Love is the best. Antonio Gibson did get a little bit of work here, but not as much as I think a lot of people thought he would. What are you kind of looking at with those two guys? Because him and, and Logan Thomas were the two that stepped up. Yeah, I think Logan yes, Thomas. Correct. <laughs> Barber may be a jag, but he manages to find all the situations where they don't have anybody else. I think Washington needs somebody who's just not flashy, but is going to be a power runner at times. Yeah. He's the only one uh, that's fitting that mold on their roster. I don't think he's going away. I think that is a role that neither McKissick or Gibson's going to fill for whatever reason. We haven't seen Bryce Love be able to elevate. I, you know, all those people that thought it was going to be three down Antonio Gibson, explosion i think it's going to take a little while to get in he's still going to have a role but washington's offense i still don't think is going to be incredibly exciting or flashy uh to watch yeah. their defense is going to keep a minute ron rivera is okay grinding it out think about some of those offenses that he was successful with uh with carolina you know they weren't always the most exciting teams uh, to have your fantasy players Thomas looked good. That would be um, somebody I'd be looking at getting if he's available, especially since tight end is such a up and down position that actually looked like that was going to work out. And, you know, I still like McLaren, but I, I don't know that we learned a ton about Washington yesterday other than yeah. they've got, they've got some pluck. Yeah, I think right now, I mean, and again, we'll talk more about Thomas uh, tomorrow with the with the waiver wire stuff because I imagine he's on most waiver wires. But uh, I think you're you're easily starting McLaurin every week, and and right now that's probably the only guy. Kind of like we talked about with the Jets, Crowder, Crowder's the only guy you're thinking about. Terry, Scary Terry's the only guy you're really like. He's in your lineup regardless every single week because Haskins will get him the ball. 
Raiders Panthers. Raiders pull off this one 34 to 30 for uh, the Raiders side here. Carr 13 points, Jacobs 35, Rugs 9, Waller 10. Boy, was I wrong on Josh Jacobs. I mean, my God. I think I had him at 11 <laughs> on Friday. I think he finished as the number one RB this week. So three touchdowns. So I Unless, mean, uh, yeah, somebody I, don't well, I don't see Connor or Barkley or, uh, or or Lindsay or Henry finishing as number one. Not with not with the performance Jacobs gave. So I still think I, that Richard was out there a lot in the receiving game. So I am not going. I'm not going to go all in on Jacobs doing a lot in the receiving game. But he, my God, did he look good running the ball? So I think he's he's clearly going to be a guy that you can buy all into uh rugs got uh looked like he got banged up a little bit in this one they're saying that he's we'll see what happens with that uh i don't know if i had brian edwards rank but i did think he was going to have at least a decent game here uh so we're with you dennis it just unfortunately edwards did not prove to do anything for me i think moving forward right now it's jacobs and waller that's all that you can really trust yeah i think that's fair we you know i think we thought receiver was going to be a little bit of a work in progress. You're talking about some, some young guys and uh, trying to come together. I think we were, uh, there was some debate about whether, uh, I think it might've been in the, the discord about whether um, Aguilar or Renfro would be better. I do believe Aguilar caught a touchdown. Yes, yesterday. he did. So he did I'm yeah. going to take my, uh, the saddest victory lap in the history of time. For saying <laughs> that you, you can't write him off just yet. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to take a little while to figure out which receiver emerges among that <laughs> receiver group. Yeah. Uh, but Jacobs, I will be honest and say I said he was going to lead in rushing yards, which I don't think he's going to do. But I yeah. thought he was going to have a good day and that they were really going to lean on him, and, and they did. And it was fun to watch him and McCaffrey in this game. Yeah. Yeah. I think you and Dennis both had him top five. I was the one who didn't. I had him down at like, I'm pretty sure it was 11, 11 or 12. So I was, I was definitely wrong on that one. On the Panther side, Bridgewater, 19 points, CMC, 28, Robbie Anderson, 25, uh, DJ Moore, nine, and then Ian Thomas, six. I, I do, I'm not buying into Robbie Anderson's one big play. I think it was a, a flute game for me. I'm still, I'm still all DJ Moore, and I do still think Curtis Samuel eventually emerges in this offense playing in that slot role. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Anderson? He's obviously the best on the day. I, I think if I'm remembering correctly, I feel like that was a broken play as well. Kind of not, not necessarily like the Crowder one, but I don't think it was something where he, he beat a defender like on a catch and then ran it in. I'm pretty sure it was a broken was play. A, Am I wrong? It was a blown coverage. Yeah. So I, I'm not buying into Robbie Anderson, but what are your thoughts? Cause he does have the connection with Matt rule and he, he is kind of playing in that, I guess, deep role for them. So what, what do you think with Robbie Anderson? Yeah. I mean, you see the the big yardage and the touchdown and it's tempting to go all in. I'm kind of like you. I think we need a few more weeks to see this Carolina offense. Uh, when you look into the box score, I'm pretty sure all three receivers were pretty close in um, targets. I'm going to get it real quick. Uh, and that was one of the things that kind of uh, stood out to me is Anderson just kind of had that, uh, that big play. So, oh, it doesn't show. Oh, targets. Yeah, so Anderson got eight, DJ Moore got nine, and Curtis Samuel got eight. So, yeah, they were all right there with the same. Yeah. same. Now, now Moore got, Moore got one more than, than uh, Samuel and Anderson. 
And he probably had the the better coverage. The Raiders don't have a terrible uh, defense, but Robbie Anderson, it was a 75-yard touchdown pass. And so if you take away that, he had uh, five catches for uh, 40 yards. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I say. I'm not, and, but that, that's what he is. He's, you know, he's a Deshaun Jackson type in my opinion. He's, he's a great best ball player. You know, if you had him in best ball, you're thrilled because he's going to give you these games probably two, maybe even three more times throughout the season. And it's great, great week to have him in there. He's probably going to win you that week in best ball, but he's not a guy you can trust to play every week. I think a bigger concern to me would be, um, we wondered with Thomas kind of elevate yeah. two, tar- two targets. Uh, he caught them both. Uh, for 16 yards. I think with the offensive scheme change, we were thinking about him taking over the Greg Olson role in the offense they used to have. And this offense looks like it's looking more at wide receivers than the offense where Cam was, had only had eyes for the back and the tight end. So uh, that might be one to be more cautious with. Yeah, I would, I would say, that is it's right on point. I was I was thinking about that earlier this morning and the fact that I keep talking up Curtis Samuel because of him playing in the Justin Jefferson role in LSU's offense. They did not use the tight end that much. So I think you're right on point with that. I think it's going to be those three wide receivers. And had they still had the same offense with McCoy there and Ron Rivera, I think Ian Thomas would be a stud. I don't think that's going to happen with Joe Brady and Matt Rule. So I'm I'm with you there. Another game. You know, NFL, we thought we had the NFL figured out going into our picks, and, and and we were proven wrong here. The Jaguars beating the Colts 27 to 20. Minshew, Minshew his way into another victory. On the Colts side here, Rivers 14 points, Jonathan Taylor 14 points, Naheem Hines 27, Kurt Curtis Campbell, Paris Campbell 14 points, Jack Doyle 7.9. So I just need I need to address this for those who were in the Discord. I am not celebrating Marlon Mack's injury. I feel bad for the kid. I honestly could see this, unfortunately, being like a career ender for him. He he it's a serious injury. It's not easy to come back from Achilles uh, Achilles rupture like that. And even if he comes back, it's likely a year. Will someone take a chance on him? I hope so. I do think this is Jonathan Taylor's job. I just tweeted out about this earlier. I know Frank Reich has now come out and said that he's going to be the starting running back. Guys, don't waste all your budget on Naheem Hines. I know he had a huge game yesterday. I think a lot of that was game script dependent and them being behind the way that they were. Jonathan Taylor still got six catches playing in a backup role before that point. I think he had three before Mack went out. So for me, it's all Jonathan Taylor. He's likely rostered, so you're not going to be able to get him. Don't blow your entire fad budget on Naheem Hines. That being said, what are you expecting from this? I, I, we all kind of thought this was going to be an easy win for the Colts, and they did not look good at all, in my opinion. Paris Campbell did look good, which I think is good. We, we've kind of talked about him taking a step yeah, forward in that slot role. That. But outside of, outside of, in my opinion, him and Taylor, like I'm even kind of hesitant now on, on T.Y. Hilton because he did not look great in that game either. What are your kind of just overall thoughts on the Colts' offense? But I think the big question this offseason is we were kind of split between those of us that thought Rivers was washed, and that was the problem with the Chargers. I thought there were other problems with the Chargers, but watching this game, I you know, one of the one of the reasons I think you should be excited about Taylor is if I was Frank Gregg, I'm like, well, to hell with this. I'm running yeah. ball a lot more if I can, because you you're right, you know. 
I also don't want to completely discount Jacksonville because they said, you know, while we were prone to look at the moves they were making and say that they were obviously tanking, Marone kept saying, we want to win games and we like our young players and we think we're going to compete. And they certainly had pluck on both sides of the ball. And maybe it was addition by subtraction with some of those attitudes that came with good talent, but were not good personality fits. But the Colts, the passing game didn't look great. Uh, their offense didn't look great. Rivers did what he did a little bit last year in, in some critical turnovers. Yep. Um, I think the Colts are going to want to try to run the ball and manage the clock, and I think that bodes well potentially for Jonathan Taylor, who's a battering ram. I still think Hines will have some value. I'm with you. I would fade down T.Y. Hilton, who you know has always been at his best when he can get some deep balls. I just don't think that's going to be Rivers' game. Yeah, and I still like Hines. I do think he's going to have a role, like you just said. He's not going to disappear. He's too good of a receiving back, and we saw that yesterday. But he's not. he cannot hold up being the every down back. And I think that's why Frank Reich, I mean, I think he addressed it like 15 to 20 minutes before we got on and started recording, that Jonathan Taylor is starting week two. Um, I did think it was funny because I was, I was flipping back and forth between that game, had a red zone channel on. I know uh, when they were getting ready to drive down the field, and the announcers were talking about how they were interviewing Phillip Rivers before the game. And Philip Rivers was talking about his time in San Diego last year. And he was like, uh, you know, I just I, I can't have those bad fourth quarter turnovers because that's what's going to cost us in the game. And then like a play later, he throws that interception. And I was just like, yeah. well, there goes Philip Rivers again for you. So, yeah, I do agree with you on what you were saying, though. Frank Reich, they brought Philip Rivers over here because they know they have a Super Bowl contending roster. And if Rivers is not going to get it done for him, they have the best offensive line in the game. And in my opinion, now one of the best running backs already in the game and Jonathan Taylor, they're going to give him the ball and run it down people's throats. So if you were able to get him fourth, fifth round in, in your draft, as much as we don't want to see Marlon Mack get injured, the fact that he is now out and it's going to be Taylor's job, you kind of just lucked your way into, as I've been saying, a top 12 running back. Like he's he's going to, I think, eat behind that offensive line. Yeah. Real quick before we move on to the Jaguar side, so is Paris Campbell, are, are you kind of cool starting him now every week in a flex spot, or do you want to see it one more week before you kind of throw him in there? Yeah, I think I want to see what their offense okay. is going to look like a, a little bit. Um, I was very encouraged, though. Yeah, same here. I, I was. I'm. I'm hoping to possibly make some trades for some Paris Campbell shares here this weekend. But uh, my Jack uh, side picks from 2000. Yeah. are looking a little better now. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm starting to wish I took Paris Campbell. Over. Well, I did take him in a lot of places. I don't say over Hakeem Butler, but I didn't take Hakeem Butler to like the third. So I'm good there. Uh, Minshew, 20 points. James, Ro- James Robinson, who did look good, uh, 10. DJ Chark, 11. And LaVisca Chenault, 13. So I still think we should hold off on this running back situation a little bit. I could honestly still see Freeman or somebody else possibly still coming and signing here. While Robinson did look good, uh, he would probably be the guy that I would target if he's available on your waivers, but I would not go all out on your budget to get him because I still don't think he's going to be the guy the full season. Chark was Chark. Minshew was Minshew. LaVisca Chenault. So we had the green grass pod on with us uh, last Monday, actually. And I tweeted at them when LaVisca Chenault scored his. Again, we know he's got the injury history, but when he's healthy, he is a dynamic weapon. So what are you kind of, is is he moving up into like, say that Paris Campbell territory? Like we just talked about a guy who's really intriguing. If he does it again next week, a guy that you're willing to kind of pick up and see what happens. Yeah, I think, 
what we what we can see now is that the Jaguars were being honest that they are ready to move to their youth movement. Shark is a part of that. Um, you know, I think Dennis and I had hopes for Chris Connolly, or Dennis had such high hopes for Chris Connolly that he managed to, to convince me the same way he, you suckered me into a couple of ones. Yeah. Um, I don't think that looks good. Westbrook was a what I believe what they said was a healthy scratch. Yeah. Um, that tells you Chenault, Chenault is somebody that I'm, I'm interested in grabbing. Chris Thompson was not a thing. Mm-hmm. I think they are happy to try to run with their young players and they think that they have some pluck and that they have some energy and they look like they had all that with their young players. I think they are trying to build for the future, but they want to invest in those guys right now. And that makes me look at their roster a little bit different. We were thinking some of the veterans they were going to prop up to try to just help get them along. I think we were ignoring what they were trying to tell us. Yeah, you know, it's funny in you saying that because we're going to talk about another team here at the end of the podcast who he was their head coach, my brother, uh, my brother-in-law, Sean McVay, was telling us they were going to use a running back by committee backfield, and we didn't believe him. We kept thinking it was going to be Cam Akers, and then that came to be true. They used a running back backfield by committee. Or committee. You kept believing it was going to be Cam Akers. I believed it was going to be Darrell Henderson, so I'm well, the saddest. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I really don't want to talk about this game, but I'm still all in on my guy, on my guy six. There's been a lot of hate on him today on Twitter. Uh, the Browns get destroyed six to 38. Uh, was not quite as bad a game as it looked here, but the Browns just com- kept shooting themselves in the foot in this one. Baker comes away with nine points, Chubb five, Hunt 12, OBJ five, Landry 11, and Joku 14, and Hooper three. Um, for me, I'm going to say I'm kind of just throwing this game away. I'm not going to take much away from it. It was just a bad game. Uh, early on, I, I don't know how many people actually watched this game. I watched the full game as much as it pained me to do so. Uh, the Browns did look good early on. Miss, two missed field goals, miss extra point. Odell was dropping passes. Chubb had a fumble. Uh, Hunt really started getting a lot of run after the Chubb fumble. So I'm not reading too much into Hunt being out there as much as he was. I do think a lot of that was a was part of the fumble there there by Hunt. Uh, you know, we've been talking up in Joku all offseason. He's now on IR with a knee injury. So he's probably I don't I think it's just a three week IR, but for me, he's kind of done now at this point. Uh, the kid can't stay healthy. I feel bad for him because he's I think really talented. Um for me, I think next week you're still starting Chubb. You're still starting Hunt if you've got him and Odell and Landry. I think it's going to be a better game Thursday. I just think you're playing – you played, in my opinion, one of the best defenses in the league in Baltimore. They they kind of shut down every fantasy position last year as it was. It was a bad game for the Browns. What, what were kind of your overall thoughts on this offense, Matt? So a couple of things. You know, first of all, you know, I think we've talked with other quarterbacks – Constantly changing offensive systems yeah. uh, can be tough. You know, not having a normal offseason to install that can be um, tough. So even though he has a lot of the same players around him trying to do different things can be tough. I know there were some some critical uh, things pointed out in terms of decision-making and trying to figure out where to go with the ball, but that can be a little bit of system. The thing that I, I'm concerned about with the Browns is, you know, I, I'm a Lakers fan uh, having grown up in, in California. And I remember when they, the year that they went out and got Gary Payton 
and Carl mm-hmm. Malone put him with Shaq and Kobe and they said basically we you know we're forming a super team we're going to win all these titles nobody has the talent that we have across all these skill positions on the court and while they had all these incredible players at different positions they didn't gel as a unit and yeah. now that we're into this kind of year two they went and added yet another piece in Hooper and maybe the injury to Njoku clarifies a little bit of their tight end options but it could end up being a case, sadly, where the the parts are better than than the sum of those parts when they come yeah. together. You know, do they have an embarrassment of riches to the point where they're trying to do too many things on on offense and they can't really accomplish anything and they can't keep people, you know, totally engaged? Yeah, uh, like I said, um, for me, I, I do somewhat agree with that. I was talking with some people today, and I said that I, I do think that there's a realistic shot that the o- Odell experiment here in Cleveland could be over by the trade deadline this year. Uh, I do think they could move on from him uh, if he doesn't, because he was pouting all over the field. Like I'm not, I'm I'm one of Odell's biggest supporters. I love Odell Beckham. Uh, but some of the shit I saw on the field Sunday was just embarrassing, in my opinion. I mean, he dropped a lot of balls, and again, there's there's one point where it was six to seventeen, a third and two on the twenty yard line, and he was probably five or six yards past the first down marker. The defender nowhere near him. Odell, I mean, Baker hits him right here in the face, and he catches it, and then just just drops it, and then he got he gets upset and just storms off the field. I'm like, bro, that was your fault. Like, you can't get mad. At it. it was a little bit high, but come on. So. Those self-inflicted moments are what you just can't afford. And we've talked about they're in a pretty good division. We're going to get to the game. I thought Cincinnati looked better than I expected. I I thought they might be the weekend. Baltimore doesn't look like they lost anything. We're going to see Pittsburgh tonight, but the AFC is not easy. Uh, I would have liked to see a little bit more cohesion you know they they lost to the ravens last year but they played them really tough and they played them really hard didn't you know granted i wasn't watching every snap like you but when i was watching it was kind of like come on guys you know and i i was a little shocked about their defense honestly well, their defense, and I don't want to get too much into it, but they're de- they were missing a lot of lot of players on their defense. They're they're starting their like third and fourth linebacker right now as they've lost Mac Wilson and uh, my goodness, who's the other one I can't think of right now. But their 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 linebacking core is shot. They got obviously Greedy Williams was out at cornerback. They lost Grant Delpit earlier in the year. They were starting. They were starting a lot of guys in the back end that that were not starters to begin with at the beginning of the year, so they were hurt. Regardless, that wasn't, in my opinion, an excuse. And and I do think it was the Browns more shooting themselves in the foot than anything else. Because like I said, going into halftime, it was a twenty-one to six game, and it could have very easily been a twenty-one to fourteen, twenty-one to seventeen game had Cybert not missed field goals and and players weren't dropping the ball. So. It would have been a completely different game. I still don't think the Browns win that game. The Baltimore was just too much for them to handle, but I think it would have been closer. I think it was closer than the 38-6 score indicates. Uh, for the Ravens, Lamar, 27 points. Uh, Ingram gets kind of out-snapped here. A, a very weird game for him. Dobbins, 14 points. Uh, sorry, Ingram gets 2.9. Uh, Marquise Brown, 15 points, and then Mark Andrews, 22. Yeah, I talked about that Friday. I thought Mark Andrews was going to eat against this really bad linebacking core. He does. Uh, Hollywood Brown has a good game. Uh, I guess the more interesting one was Dobbins and Ingram. Now, Dobbins didn't get as many carries, but he was in on the goal line and get you two touchdowns 
if you're an Ingram mm. owner, are you worried about that today? Is that, or is that something where you think it was just a game script thing? Cause Dobbins, I will, again, I watched the whole game. Dobbins wasn't in much early when it was a close contest. It wasn't until Baltimore started pulling away. Part of me does think that maybe that was a, Hey, we don't need to have Ingram in here. We're already up three touchdowns. Let's just throw Dobbins in there. And then Dobbins kind of comes in and eats. But what, what was your, what was your takeaway from that? Yeah, I'm not going to write Ingram off. Um, and I think it's very possible J.K. Dobbins, kind of an explosive rookie who obviously didn't get any preseason snaps. So if you're looking at trying to get a guy a little bit of game reps, a little bit of experience when you're up big, you're going to put him in, especially at home. I'm not writing Ingram off, but I think Dobbins has now officially, for me, in my opinion, jumped. Edwards. Know, uh, yeah, there was talk Edwards Hill, you know, Dobbins is at the bottom. And I think that we could actually we most of us had felt like Ingram was still gonna be real solid this year, but after this he was probably gonna be gone. With what they saw in limited work from JK Dobbins and how good the rest of their team apparently still is, I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing that equalize out a little bit more. And by the end of this season, we start seeing Dobbins because we all thought he was a really great talent and landed yeah. in a really great spot for him. It was just a question of, you know, a team with Super Bowl ambitions. Do they want to keep, you know, is it going to be a veteran season? I, you know, if this happened in week eight, maybe you're a little less cautious, but to see this already starting to happen in week one makes me think by the time we hit, hit the stretch and you know ingram hasn't uh hasn't been immune to injuries either so can yeah. you imagine if something like that happens they have to be feeling pretty good about what they've got uh between him and edwards yeah and, and ingram was one of the guys that that tanked my uh scott fishbowl team this week so I'm, I'm really not not excited about that but yeah he uh i'm i'm with you i think Dobbins clearly is over Edwards now because Edwards was the guy they brought in when Robert Griffin came in. Like Dobbins was still playing with 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 Lamar, so I think Dobbins is a clear two, despite the number four spot he got a couple whatever that was last week on the depth chart. Um, and I'm with you. If Ingram goes down, I could honestly see a way that if Ingram goes down, Dobbins comes in, and what we've already seen doesn't doesn't give the position back to Ingram. We've already thought that he's gone at the end of this year, anyways. I'm with you. If he gets injured, I can see him being gone now. I don't think they'll cut him, but I think it'll be Dobbins' job, and and Ingram will kind of come in and spell him. Yep. On uh, Chargers Bengals Chargers side here, uh, they lose six or they win. I'm sorry, sixteen to thirteen. They should have lost. Uh, Tyrod nine points, uh, Eckler nine points, Kelly twelve points, Allen seven, Mike Williams ten, and Hunter Henry twelve. Uh, we know Justin Jackson was banged up a little bit here. I'm. I'm not taking too much away from this on the Eckler Kelly thing. I'm still all in on Eckler. Uh, Lynn Anthony Lynn just gave a press conference earlier today while we were recording. I saw the the update pop up on my phone. Uh, they do realize that they did not get Eckler the ball enough in the receiving game, and they're going to work on that. I think it was just one of those weird games. They they played bad. I think Tyrod looked horrible. I was watching a lot of this game because I wanted to see Burrow's first start. Um, and I think that's what affected Allen and Williams as well. I mean, Henry comes through for you because he's at the tight end position. But I, 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 I've been saying it. I think Herbert needs to be in there. And and Tyrod, Ty, I said this as to as a joke to a friend because I kept calling him Tyrod, and he's like, his name's Tyrod. I'm like, no, he played like Tyrod. When he plays good, I'll call I'll call him Tyrod. But he played like a Tyrod Sunday. I, I'm not. I think Herbert needs to get in there. I'm not really worried about Eckler Kelly. If I see it again. Maybe I'll start to worry, but I think for me, Eckler's still going to be the guy. 
Kelly, he he got some work. He got a touchdown. He did get a touchdown, right? He got a rushing touchdown. Yeah, because so I think in this Chargers offense, they want a bigger yeah. uh, power running back in the goal line. We always thought that that was going to be a place where Eckler was going to seed some work. I'm with you. The passing offense, the offense in general looked pretty bad. I think with with Jackson not doing much and then going out with injury, I am a little concerned if if Eckler's not going to get the passing volume, he can't yeah. get that, that RB1 territory because he's not going to be able to do it with rushing alone. I do think they're going to continue to use a bigger pounding back. I liked what I saw from Kelly. I don't think it's just that they were doing a change of pace. He fits that kind of smashing offense uh, in in the red zone. I don't think he's an RB one either for the same reason that yeah. I guess what I, from what I saw yesterday, I now have a similar concern to what I have with the Buffalo running backs. Yeah. Because Tyrod Taylor or Tyrod or uh, Taylor, it's the Tyrod, guy that apparently, yeah. you know, turd Taylor couldn't, yeah, it's uh, a better name for him. He was, he was running a little bit. The, yeah, I'd be more concerned about, I guess it doesn't matter if they have any wide receiver depth because I'm not sure they're throwing to their receivers anyway. Um, I'm feeling pretty good if I own Hunter Henry as long as he can stay upright. He's probably yeah. do double-digit targets a game. I was surprised, honestly, that they were not throwing outlet passes to the running back. I Cincinnati's got an okay defense, maybe underrated. I don't think of them as incredible. Yeah. So that really makes me concerned about some of the other teams they're going to play. Uh, so Buccaneers Saints, uh, Buccaneers lose this one 23 to 34. Tom Brady. What's up? Oh, Bengals. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Bengals side here. So Joe Burrow, 16 points. Mixon, 6.1. Uh, AJ Green, 10 points. And Tyler Boyd, 7. Uh, I thought, you know, Burrow, he did have his ups and downs. But I thought looked phenomenal on that final drive. He, he, really should have drove them down the field and at least if not won it, if AJ Green doesn't push off, that's a win or at least go into overtime to see if they can win it. Not necessarily worried about Mixon struggling in this game. I know they had talked about it on the broadcast. He had like 600 carries between his first and last fumble. So I'm not that worried about it. That defensive front and their linebackers for the Chargers are really good. I think it was just one of those games where he just couldn't get going. He does need to get fed the ball a little bit. So Mixon, I'm all fine for. I'm not, I'm not really reading into the the Green Boyd stuff either. I think it, again, just char- we talked about it Friday. Chargers defense is a lot better than people give. Even losing Derwin James, they're still a really good defense. Burrow's literally first game on the field, and they still had it. In my opinion, a decent game. You know, I, I want to see it more going forward. They got a great defense they're playing this week, so I would fire them all up because they're going to be able to throw yeah. all over that Browns defense. Fortunately, they have a get well game on Thursday exactly. night. Unfortunately, yeah. All right, Buccaneers and Saints, uh, 23-34, Brady 20, uh, Ronald Jones 10, Fournette 2, Godwin 13 points, Evans 7 points, Scotty Miller 12, Gronk 3, and Howard 13. Uh, Brady did not look great in this game, in my opinion. Now, some of that might have been the Saints defense, but I know I have not been in on the the Brady to Tampa Bay stuff here. Um, Evans kind of saves your day with the late touchdown outside of that does nothing, which we talked about Friday. I thought Ronald Jones actually looks kind of good running, but behind that, uh, that offensive line and in that group. So for you, 
Evans, you're still trusting, I would think, but Howard looked really good. I thought, you know, we've talked about it. None of us were really in on Gronk being there. We thought he was going to be limited. So if you had to kind of narrow down the couple starters you're trusting on this, this Tampa Bay team, who are they? Yeah. Let me say, I watched all of this game because it was America's game of the week. Uh, and it was the one that was on here. And uh, I'm just going to come right out and say, neither of these teams look good. Yeah. Um, this Neither of these teams look good. Tampa Bay, I think they have. They also have a similar problem to what I mentioned would be a concern possibly with the Browns, only in an even more magnified way. They have too many people, yeah, too many people trying to come together, trying to learn each other and feel each other out, and too much they're trying to do. And Tom Brady is in love with the short white slot receiver. <laughs> Um, no, I think Scotty Miller should be rostered everywhere. Uh, I honestly don't know if you're going to start him all the time, but in deep PPR leagues and when you get to bye weeks, he wouldn't be a terrible guy to put out there. I still like Godwin and Evans, but I didn't see an incredible connection. They did try to run the ball a lot, and Jones got a ton of the carries, so I'd feel a little bit better about that. Fournette is unstartable to me. Gronk, I would fade down a lot. He actually, to me, looked a little bit slow. Um, you know, and there's another guy that, you know, took a year off. What, what was he going to be like coming back? They seem to use him a lot blocking, and it seemed like the more passing tight end target was Howard, which was interesting to me. He had, you know, the nice touchdown grab. Yeah. So they get – I can't remember who they play next week, but, I, you know, we'll see what the evolution of that is. Maybe they'll be back home. The Saints have a good defense, so it was a little tough to tell. But this – for a game that had this many marquee fantasy players that I was so excited to see, I was a little sad. Uh, Buccaneers get the Panthers next week, so that at least will probably help their passing game some there. So we'll right. see. If Ronald Jones yeah. gets – I mean, we saw what – uh, Jacobs was able to do. Yeah. Jones was running hard. He just, there was defenders. Yeah. So it'll be a much, much like Cincinnati getting their get well game this week. Tampa Bay looks like they might have a get well game as well uh, there against the Panthers. For the Saints side, Breeze 14 points. Kamara 23 could have had more uh, with the touchdown callback. Thomas 4, Sanders 10, and Cook 3. I'm sorry, 13. Um, I guess the biggest question here is, I don't believe this, but I did see a lot of people talking about it on Twitter. Are you worried about Michael Thomas now with this kind of emergence of Emmanuel Sanders? You know, we've talked about it all offseason. This is the best other wide receiver to play opposite of Michael Thomas his entire time there. I just think it was about, we've seen games like this out of Michael Thomas. They are rare, but we've seen it before. I'm not worried about him. I still think he's at worst top three wide receiver, but I do think, Obviously, having a guy like Emmanuel Sanders across from him doesn't help him that much. He's not going to break the reception record again this year, but I still think he's easily a top three, maybe worst top five wide receiver. But what's kind of your takeaway from those two? Yeah, my my concern for Thomas wouldn't be Emmanuel Sanders because I don't think he had an, an incredible game, if I'm being honest. Uh, it was – so what you can't tell uh, until we see a few more games, Tampa Bay's defense looked really good. Yeah. Uh, their secondary actually looked markedly improved. But uh, New Orleans' pass offense did not, to me, look like they were in great shape. Breeze did not go over 100 yards until the middle of the fourth quarter when he found uh, blown coverage and dropped a 46-yard dime to 
uh, Jared Cooks that put him at 142 passing yards. That should tell you a little bit about where they're going. Kamara had a couple of touchdowns, but they weren't finding a lot of rushing room either. Overall, the the Saints defense played, I thought, pretty well, and Brady gave them a couple of opportunities. Their offense looks like it was a little rustier than I was expecting. Yeah, and I, I do want to say I think some of that stuff is one thing I posted about the Browns thing as well. You know, you – you mentioned them having this is Baker's third, you know, third new system, third offensive coordinator, third new head coach in three years, and they haven't had a preseason. Nobody has. So you almost have to look at these first couple games as preseason games. So I don't think everybody's going to come out on fire as, say, the Chiefs and the Ravens did. That's probably because they're two of the best teams in the league. So I don't want to read too much into some of that. That's, that's true, but the advantage was supposed to be for uh, veteran-laden offenses yeah. that the core remained intact, including their coaching core, and that's probably what it was a little uh, more surprising to me. I don't – again, I think Tampa Bay's defense was doing a pretty good job, and that was part of it, but the Saints almost, to me, a few times tried to get too cute, and, I, you know, I had questions about, like, what what the hell are you doing? Cardinals 49ers. I wish I would have kept my pick if the Cardinals win. And I was all in on them and I changed my mind on a couple of their picks. So Cardinals win this one. Yeah. Cardinals win this one 24 to 20. Uh, Murray has a huge game here 26 points. Kenyon Drake 14. Edmonds 13. Hopkins 29. Should have had more. Christian Kirk won. Just want to say, I called that. I said Christian Kirk is not going to be that good this year. Uh, but I thought the offense looked incredible, especially against a really good San Francisco defense. I have been saying that I think that defense takes a little bit of a step back. Murray was running the ball a little bit more. I think he had 90 yards on 13 carries, had a great touchdown run. I think this offense is primed, and and I do think that they're going to be that Cinderella team this year. I, I, I Murray is my MVP pick. I have him sneaking into the playoffs as that last pick. What about you, Matt? Did, did they do enough to convince you this week against a good Cardinals team against a good 49ers team to kind of come around and believe them. Yeah, I think they, I think they're going to be competitive. I think I was too low on them. I also think uh, one of my biggest takeaways is Deandre Hopkins is probably going to push Adams for number one receiver. Yeah. Yeah. I love it too, because I saw a bunch of people and I won't name the people, but there's a lot of people the past couple of weeks talking about Deandre Hopkins on Twitter being like at best wide receiver 11 or 12 this year. Cause he wasn't going to get the volume. And I said, it's just, no, he's just too damn good. Stop it. Stop it. And look at what happened. Like, I get it. Christian Kirk is a really good player, and people believe in him and Larry Fitzgerald, but neither one of those, you couldn't combine those two. And Larry Fitzgerald's a Hall of Famer. You could not combine those two, and they would still not be equal of DeAndre Hopkins' talent level. So uh, Hopkins, we saw it last week. If you were worried about him, don't be anymore. He's still going to be an absolute stud. Uh, the 49ers side here, Garoppolo, 19 points, Mostert, 25, McKinnon, 13, and Kittle, 9 Uh Kittle does get hurt in this one. Uh, he did say at the end of the game he was fine. I do think it's something to watch, though, because this is the same kind of injury he suffered last year. Uh, he said he was fine, and then I believe his knee swole up during the week, and he ended up being out, and they started Ross Dwelly that game. So it's something to watch, but as of right now, we haven't heard anything uh, big. I guess the big talk here is, and a guy we'll probably talk about tomorrow, Jarek McKinnon. He was kind of the guy over Tevin Coleman, who, again, a guy I was buying into a lot in Tevin Coleman. Go ahead. Tevin Coleman got held up because of the air quality. Um, He was not actually able to practice either because he has sickle cell trait, and the air quality put his health in danger. So I had a feeling he probably 
was not going to be able to play. I, but that being said, it was thrilling to see McKinnon do that, yep. especially for me in one league where I had to start Jarek McKinnon. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, he's a guy that, you know, I know we talked about a little bit on here. I mean, they paid up to get him a couple years ago, and then he just hasn't been able to get on the field. So it was kind of cool to see him out there. It, it's clear that Mostert's the guy. But I would almost think if he goes down, as long as McKinnon can stay healthy, I would think McKinnon's going to get a bulk of those carries or or work in the passing game receiving out of the backfield over Coleman. But overall, I mean, we'll see what what this offense looks like when Debo comes back. Ayuk was out this game. Now, Debo's on IR, so you're going to have to wait a couple more weeks to get him. Ayuk could possibly be back next week. But I think for me, it's it's Mostert and, and Kittle. And then depending on the league size, I might be willing to throw McKinnon in my flex. But that's about it for me. What about you? Yeah, and honestly, I, I'm with you. I'm a little worried about Kittle because he was going great guns in the first half, and near the yeah. end of the first half is when he got hit and you see his knee go back, and he didn't do – he had no stats after that. So he can say he's fine, but I would say the, the fact that they were in a competitive game and they weren't able to give him the ball says otherwise. I was interested that most are – you know, we, we talked about – one of the concerns with San Francisco running backs was they didn't seem to be getting involved in the passing game. And yet McKinnon does really well in passing game. Most are four for 95 and a touchdown as a receiver. Um, So if they're going to change up a little bit and we're going to start seeing these guys get rushing and receiving work, running back is what you're going to be all in on for San Francisco. Yeah, and as we're talking about George Kittle, uh, Kyle Shanahan just addressed this. Uh, they said that it is a knee sprain and that they will let ever they're going to address it on Wednesday. Right now, he is not showing anything, but they won't know his status until later in the week. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. Well, hopefully Wednesday we won't be here Wednesday, but we'll be on Thursday to preview Browns Bengals. We should hopefully know more by then. Sunday night football game: the Cowboys lose to the Rams seventeen to twenty. Um, Cowboys, Dak, 17 points, Zeke, 27, Cooper, 18, Gallup, 8, and Lamb, 10. I'm going to say this really quick. Um, I know I'm going to piss off a lot of Cowboys fans, and I love it. Uh, that uh, Mike McCarthy is just a heavier set Jason Garrett. Just It's the truth, guys. They're going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. You know, I, it's funny because I know a lot of Cowboys fans, and I heard them all bitching about it today. If Jason Garrett was here, we would have kicked that field goal and we would have it would have been a tie game. Yeah, well, you know what? But yet you guys complained about Jason Garrett the entire time he was there and was doing stuff like that. You can never be happy. But uh, I did think it was overall a good game for Dallas. I, I did, you know, me and Matt were talking a little bit off air right before. I did think that in my opinion, the Rams controlled that entire game for the most part. I think they should have won that, won that game handily, but Dallas did look good. Cooper looked a lot better against Jalen Ramsey at times than I thought he would. What was most interesting to me was Zeke. He was a lot more involved in the passing game than we saw last year. So if you're a Zeke owner, does that give you hope that he's going to kind of jump up to what we saw his first two years or his, yeah, his first two years in the league? So, you know, I thought all off season that it was going to be about these big three receivers and Ezekiel Elliott, even though people were really pumping up Blake Jarwin and it's very sad what happened. Yeah. You know, you don't win. Injuries on anybody. It looks like uh, I don't know if they've officially confirmed, but it I don't think like they've officially. An- but yeah, they've kind of hinted and, it's an ACL. And John, uh, obviously, Dalton Schultz. We saw what we we're going to get out of that. I think it is going to be those three guys. I was surprised how how aggressive they were using Tony Pollard. I thought that yeah. was an interesting sign. He may end up being a guy that produces some flex value. I also will say I 
poor Michael Gallup. He has yeah. a fantastic play, and C.D. Lamb accidentally falls into the back of somebody yeah. and takes it back. And then I don't know how you feel because we didn't talk about this before, but that call it. The it was game. not. Yeah, I oh. agree with you. It was not offensive pi. Yeah. No. Yeah. I. I now I didn't watch it live, but I saw the highlight, and I'm with well, you. I, I did not think it was offensive. Like, I did not think it was an offensive. Come PI. on, guys. Yeah. Come on, guys. But uh, you know, it's a tough game. I. I'm kicking myself a little bit because I originally had the Rams. I thought that they were going to win that opener, opening their new stadium and everything going on. But then I, I kind of talked myself into my deep seated love for the Cowboys. And there were two teams that had three incredible fantasy receivers and it was neither of them was the Cowboys. Yep. Um, I was excited by what we saw by lamb. I thought Cooper looked good. Both Cooper and Gallup got over on uh, Ramsey. Yeah, uh, which was which was interesting to see. Uh, I think Dallas is going to have a good season. I think uh, you know, look at their division. We haven't seen the Giants play tonight, but obviously the Eagles have some major problems. Yeah, I think that Washington has a lot of heart, but doesn't have incredible talent. Talent, yeah, on both sides of the ball. So I I still think Dallas can roll to a division victory. Whether that can translate into playoff success is another question. I. I didn't question Mike McCarthy's decision to go for it and not kick the field goal at the time. It looks worse now, but I, I thought yeah. that, you know, they were going for the win and that's some of the aggression. And you, you want to see a coach that believes now the play call was on bad. That play yeah. was bad. And Lamb's yeah, that's my boy. was bad. So, you know, is Kellen Moore to blame a little bit for this? Cause I don't, Mike McCarthy is not calling plays. They made a big kind of yeah. deal about that. It's still more system that he had last year. He's still calling plays. Maybe I don't think Garrett was great. I think maybe his you know his time needed to be up. He seemed to have yeah. lost his team. But he may not have been their only problem. Yeah, and the one thing I'll say is I I don't I didn't hate the decision for him to go for it. If I was a coach, maybe that just speaks to I am at times more conservative than than going for stuff like that. I would have kicked the field just because I had Greg the leg. And so I yeah. feel like that – and it would have been a, a couple of field goals. So. Yeah, but I just – I think at that point in the game, it's not like we were – end of the third quarter, early fourth, where like you you want to get more into the game. Like there was – I think they would have been tied 10-10 at that point, right? If he kicks the field goal? 20 Okay, so yeah, like you just kick the field, take the t- at that point, take the tie. Don't play for the like if it was under two minutes, I'm all for it. If you want to have the balls to play for the win, go for it. I, I do like that stuff, but at that point, your defense was playing good enough, especially in that second half. So we talked about they the Rams. I think going into the second quarter had like 280 total offensive yards and only had the 10 points up at that point because their field goal kicker had missed multiple field goals as well. So it's one of those things where your defense was playing well enough to keep you in the game. I'm all cool going for it at that point, but when it's that early on in the game, just kick the field goal. You've got the tie play for the win later. I I, I don't, I, I don't necessarily question it. I wouldn't have done it. Then I'm again, again, you know, my alter ego is a head coach in the NFL. I am not. So for the Rams side here, Goff gets you 10 points. Uh, Malcolm Brown gets you 26. Cam Akers, five. Robert Woods, seven. Cooper Cup, eight. And Tyler Higby, seven. I, I was clearly wrong on Tyler Higby. He torched the Cowboys last time. Did not happen this time. Uh, Robert Woods, Cup, not really worried about that. We've seen, we've seen Robert Woods have his days and Cooper Cup have his. I think it was just obviously a Robert Woods day. 
But Malcolm Brown, Cam Akers, this is what I was referring to earlier. Sean McVay has been saying all offseason, this is going to be a three-headed backfield. We're going to use all three guys. Now, they used Brown and Akers more than Henderson, but Henderson was out there. Is Malcolm Brown the guy to own for you? Because I don't know if you saw this tweet. Uh, but I was going through my my history stuff. I have a time hop. I don't know if you you know what that app is. I have time hop. Literally at this date last year, me and you published an episode talking about is Malcolm Brown the guy to own over Todd Gurley after his huge week one play? We're here again talking about Malcolm Brown having a huge week for the Rams. Is he the guy for you or is it something you think is going to fade more into Agers being the guy? So the difference between a year ago and now is he's not competing with the Todd Gurley. Yeah. I did not think Akers looked that great. They were both running behind the same line at the same defense, and Brown seemed to have a lot more confidence and a lot more pop and a lot more steam. And I wasn't surprised that Henderson wasn't out there as much because he had been banged up and missed a lot of practice. I think they're easing him back in. He had one of those soft tissue injuries too. So who knows what the actual kind of splits will be. They started with Akers. They gave him a lot of carries. He got a lot of opportunities. I just didn't think he looked particularly good with them. And Brown looks a lot better and a lot more confident. And their offense looked a lot better with him out there. He's got, you know, five, six years in this system. Yeah. I think for now he is the guy that I would be playing. I mean, they, there's a reason they like him and they've continued to use him. Even last year when we thought Henderson was going to be the one to come in to spell Gurley, they were like, well, we got Malcolm Brown. We like him. We're going to use him, you know? And I, I think he looks like he's making the most of his opportunities. Yeah, and we'll talk more about him tomorrow because he's going to be right there with, I think, Naheem Hines as the hot waiver wire pickup. Uh, and if we really think that he can be the guy, but I'm with you. He he definitely looked better than than um, than Akers did yesterday for sure. All right, well, that does it for us. We kept it under two hours today for that, so that's good. We, we did kind of get off a little bit. Mostly, I think, because the Browns talk held us up. So we'll have to worry about that next Monday. Because, yeah, because yeah, we'll you know we'll we'll you'll hear me commiserating about that on our three hour episode next Friday because it's gonna take me like an hour to to bitch about the Browns losing to the Bengals more than likely. But all right, we will. I hope you guys enjoy the the double header tonight. We got Pittsburgh and New York starting here. I think in just about half an hour, and then obviously, uh, uh, my God, why did I just forget Denver and Tennessee Actually, later tonight? I think uh, New York and Pittsburgh started. I think Did it started it? at All right. 5, 530 your time, 430 my time. Even better. So it should be on, hopefully, if not right now, it's starting any minute now. So enjoy the doubleheader tonight, and we, me and Matt will be back tomorrow, unfortunately without Dennis, but he'll be back next week. But we'll be back tomorrow to talk waiver wires and what we got right and what we got wrong in our rankings in week one. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your pop on there. I came out the wall already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can.